everyone, and welcome to a special Digital Foundry Direct, where we're going to be talking about our reactions to the recent PlayStation Showcase. Essentially, it was uh, Sony's E3 presentation a couple of months down the road. Huge amount of new games. I'd say it's a bit of a mixed bag overall, but certainly some very exciting stuff in there. And joining me to talk about it, we have John Linneman, Audie Surley, and, of course... Alex Batalia. But look, let's kick off. Let's talk about Grand Theft Auto V. <laughs> it's, coming, it's, it's coming to PlayStation 5. It is delayed. It was supposed to be Q4 this year. It's moving up to March 2022. This one is kind of curious because remember the PlayStation 5 reveal that kicked off with PlayStation 4 footage of this game? Amazing. Yeah. And yeah. we can actually see it now on PlayStation yeah. 5. John, what are you what are you seeing here? Uh, I mean, if that really is PS5 footage, I just hope the trailer... It's, I, I'm still it, seeing PS4. <laughs> it looked the same. I, I assume they're going <laughs> to boost the frame rate, but who can say? But in all seriousness... We're kind of just ribbing this game. This is such a weird one because, I mean, it's a PS3 game, then it went to PS4, then it's now it's on PS5. I mean, I know it's probably just because of the popular multiplayer and just the insane sales, but it is a little bit funny that this keeps showing up, despite being an actual good game. Yeah, Alex, what do you reckon on this? Because it is essentially, I don't know, PC Plus, right? I mean, I do think there are enhancements here. They is it do, even plus? And we'll see. We'll have to see. <laughs> they do emphasize the draw distances. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, that's something you could really uh, push out uh, really, really far in the original PC release to the point of having a big problem on the CPUs and GPUs of the day, uh, which we, we know... DF covered it Grassgate back then. <laughs> uh, the Grassgate oh, no. for PC was hilarious. Uh, if you look at the console version, Grassgate. Um, but, uh, <laughs> you know, this this is one where uh, I hope it's targeting 60 FPS. The trailer doesn't uh, give an inclination of that. The second part is I hope it's more than just enhanced draw distances. I do hope there's a, quite a bit more in there rendering-wise. Uh, but given the fact that this game, probably the team that's working on it is uh, very much so online MTX-focused at this point in time, you know, it's a legacy title, I don't think it's probably going to have like the exact same dedication to something like uh, a new IP or a new title would have. So I think it's actually going to be a bit bare bones uh beyond the fact that it's really you know competent online and things like that so right i mean i would have liked to have seen uh enhancements from the later rage engines mm -hmm. kind of backported to gta 5 TAA. um there's not really much in the way of evidence to suggest that right yeah there, there really isn't the trick i mean i would like to do back and forth with the when the game when it comes out because there could be some smaller things that are nicer enhancements but the trailer doesn't give a really great you know it doesn't show you that, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, I mean, it is basically an online monster now. I do, do think they just want to keep GTA online rolling into a new generation, and, and quite rightly so, because a lot of people enjoy it. Mm -hmm. The question is, to what extent you're getting anything above the back-and-pat experience? Obviously, moving up to 60 frames per second would be the... Uh, the sort of key enhancement you'd like to see. I don't think this game ever received a pro enhancement. No. no. So, you know, there, there should be a decent uh, improvement there. Um, but the extent to which they're actually going to be pushing the envelope on this is not hugely um, <laughs> evident from this trailer. I was going to say we should move from this Grand Theft to Gran Turismo, maybe. The other GT. <laughs> GT. Yeah. Now, this was um, probably the lengthiest gameplay trailer that we saw in the in the showcase. And obviously, it is looking gorgeous. And there are rays being traced. Mm -hmm. Alex. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I covered this one back in the day uh, uh, as a part of like looking at the initial showing of PlayStation's uh, ray tracing cap capabilities in that initial like trailer conference. Uh, I think one thing that they showed off this time that looks better than I think in the initial trailer was the environments around the cars themselves specifically i mean they were pretty motion blur mask for a lot of the trailer unfortunately due to just the hectic nature of that trailer uh but i thought the environments did look like a step up from we've seen in previous gt games where like you know they always focus on the cars looking really good but the track side detail was always a bit lacking i felt in gt for the last couple games uh and then john you had something I, I'll, I'll talk about ray tracing in a second but john i know you really wanted to talk about the menus oh i mean no i, I thought it was fun that they had that in the trailer because it's kind of like a, a, a mission statement of hey here's a bunch of beautiful fast menus uh which <laughs> you know i guess the ps3 era of gran turismo was known for its very slow menus and even gt sport which was a lot better was pretty simplified because the game focus was so different so i am happy to see that mm -hmm. and it, it does 
I'd imagine that GT is a game that could really benefit from a faster disk or SSD, if you will, uh, just because you can get in and out of things much, much faster now. And I think that's going to sort of transform the experience and encourage you to play around with its features and try out different cars and uh, just, you know, get into the game. Or for, if you if they bring back the license tests, just having like ultra quick loading to get through all those will make that a lot more pleasant as well. That's a good point. This game is also one that used, uh, like the last one used like uh, pretty high detailed bake lighting. It did. Uh, so it's like a lot of grabbing stuff from disk and bringing it into memory. So that'll make like changing time of day on the stages, I imagine, because it'll probably use a very similar system. Well, they, they had time of day changes in GT Sport though, just not for all tracks. Oh, that's what it was. Okay, my mistake. Yeah, it was select tracks had that. And so the mm -hmm. ones that had the real time light change, if I recall, you could see the shadow quality took a hit. Interesting. From being real time, uh, especially when it was at a steep angle, but which kind of makes sense. But GT Sport was a great looking game. Oh yeah. Uh, and this definitely looks better for sure. Like it, it's a beautiful game. The detail level on everything seems high. Um, you know, yeah. and I was happy to see motion blur within the gameplay, like even in the cockpit, which is something that GT Sport did not do. I kind of felt like that the backgrounds compared to like something like Forza and whatnot, it lacked a little bit of contrast though. I didn't find the colors to really be as, you know, grand as I've seen in the competition. They, they go for more photorealism though, I think. And if you look at GT Sport, it has the same thing. And when you play that, it definitely looks more photorealistic. Uh, but, you know, Forza Horizon, I think, looks better. Yeah. Or more vibrant in many ways, like, but it's a different way. But I think this looks. I, I just feel like when your eye goes to any other point than the other cars, it just kind of it lacks a little bit of life that I see in, for example, yeah, Horizon. But her, again, Horizon's different. This is this is more clinical and track based. So is that better though? Not necessarily. Well, no, <laughs> I well, yeah, for what it is, I mean, it's not going to look like Horizon because they're specifically modeling real tracks, and this is what the tracks look like. Uh, like Horizon is focused on big, crazy environments, and this is focused on real tracks, and this is just what sim racing games look like, right? Like. <laughs> I mean, real life can have color. Real life can have activity. GT absolutely has color, dude. Absolutely. Uh, I, oh, I'm not saying it's color blind. I'm just saying that the contrast seems a little bit too drab for my taste. If you've played GT Sport in HDR, which I'd say, I think you'll change your mind on what it can look like. Let's change the topic really quickly to just talk about the ray tracing because that was mentioned by Rich earlier. Uh, one of the first things that I mentioned back in the day was the ray tracing. Uh, it was nice to see it in the initial debut trailer, but it was pretty low res. Um, oh, yeah. And so this time, it looks like the same resolution to me. Um, didn't look very different. Um, uh, like, you still have that same issue where any edge that picks up a ray-traced um, reflection shows the output reflection resolution of, you know, the RT, which is like 1080p, then like checkerboarded. So like, it still looks like that. Um, so that's one thing that didn't change. That's something that games that don't need to have, by the way, like you can have internally lower resolution ray traced reflections, but not have this issue. So it seems like they're doing something like very quote unquote naive with regarding the, the, the ray traced reflections. So uh, that's the same, maybe that'll change for release though. They should talk to Insomniac. I feel. They probably should. They probably should talk to us. <laughs> so everything we saw there was 60 frames per second, right? Uh, some were uh, frame drops, though, in some scenes. Well, it wasn't just a frame drop. There was like one point in the trailer. I don't know if it was an intern who just exported it wrong or whatnot, but it was like a cockpit view where the entire segment was like 30, right, John? It wasn't even 30. It was just like a weird, juddery-looking sequence, and I don't know what's up with that. That's really weird. But it was 4K, though, right? Yeah, I did count that. That's native 4K, yeah. So I'm kind of curious about scaling here, because this is a, amazingly a cross-gen game, and um, I'm guessing that they may well... Uh, tap into what they've got with GT Sport to make uh, PS4 possible, but it does look as though they've actually added enhancements which do tap into next-gen features here. And I am really excited to see what they've got mm -hmm. uh, brewing up here. Okay, so this one is really interesting. Um, we had an announcement from Naughty Dog. Obviously, we haven't had much of their next-generation plans at the moment. We've had The Last of Us Part 2 patch. There is going to be upcoming information on the multiplayer mode for uh, The Last of Us Part 2. Uh, but this was uh, the announcement of Uncharted 4 and The Lost Legacy being remastered for PlayStation 5 and PC. And it was actually, you know, huge 
<laughs> gigantic uh, font size saying, hey, PS5 and PC. Uh, it looks as though PlayStation 5 is going to get the remaster first, yeah. with PC following shortly thereafter. Yeah. And it looks as though a co-studio, Iron Galaxy, um, are handling the PC side of things. So who wants to talk? I mean, Alex, PlayStation 5, first of all, you had a look at the trailer. Yeah. And what is your impression? It says PS5 on the trailer, too. Uh, like, uh, they don't say PC, uh, for example, on the trailer text, only afterwards, like when it says it's coming to PC. So I assume this trailer is uh, being also recorded off of a PlayStation 5 based upon that. Um, just doing a really quick pixel count of the trailer. Uh, it was 1440p, which, um, I, I mean, you know, Uncharted uh, on PlayStation 4 Pro, uh, Uncharted 4 was uh, 1440p. The Last of Us Part 2 on PlayStation 4 Pro and the PS5 patch is also 1440p. Mm -hmm. You know, a little bit disappointing that it seems to be 1440p. The trailer just yep. honestly doesn't look 4K either uh, if you just watch it. So um, that's one thing I noticed. Uh, other than that, I didn't really notice any other enhancements, uh, but that's stuff that, once again, sh bears out more easily when we have side-by-sides. But that's also a little bit uninteresting, I would say, for a remastering effort, just like in increasing the resolution. Uh, maybe the more interesting part of this trailer is the fact that it is eventually coming out on PC a little bit later. Uh, uh, Iron Galaxy, uh, both great and negative, like they're responsible for re- kind of like picking up the pieces of Killer Instinct and fashioning an even better game out of it. And I think Killer Instinct is an amazing game. And then, but they're also responsible for Arkham Knight PC. So <laughs> you, you, you have these two, you have these two <laughs> sides of the equation. Uh, and, you know, let's hope we get the Iron Galaxy on their best day. I, I saw a comment and this kind of rung true was that, you know, Adam Boys is running uh, or one of the head guys over at iron galaxy now, okay that's good was he had a significant role at sony for many years uh i can't imagine that he would allow his studio to mess up uncharted you know oh, what i mean so. yeah let's hope so. like that would that would be bad <laughs> well more than that of course there's naughty dog wouldn't allow no naughty dog wouldn't allow that either but with that said you know we did see with horizon zero dawn that you know things can happen even with studios of the highest caliber. Hopefully there have been lessons learned from Horizon Zero Dawn. And um, I guess, I mean, there's an elephant in the room here, which is that as soon as the announcement came out, Twitter was basically asking, is this where I pay $10 to get an enhanced PlayStation 5 version? Um, or is it a separate per uh, purchase? Do I need to buy the game again to hmm. play it at 60 FPS on PlayStation 5? This whole sort of cross-generation strategy that Sony has, it keeps throwing up these outlier cases, which I think are perfectly reasonable consumer questions. This is the thing that kind of bothers me a bit about this showcase, is that, you know, we had just a load of footage thrown at us, essentially, and no thought seemed to have been put into the questions that the audience was going to have, and to answer those questions ahead of time to allay fears. Because, you know, I probably would suspect that Uncharted 4 will have additional graphical features. It will probably have a 4K30 quality mode, I would venture to suggest. I'd say it probably is going to be a native PlayStation 5 application as opposed to a patch for the PlayStation 4 Pro. Um, so I suspect that there is probably a really good story to tell about Uncharted. But when you put out a 1440p60 trailer, the obvious question the user is going to have is well, couldn't you just put this out as a free patch as you did for Ghost of Tsushima, Days Gone, and all of the others? Mm -hmm. I mean, what do you make of that, John? Yeah, that's the thing is with the resolution being counted at 1440p and no like super obvious differences, it does kind of feel like, I mean, to me, it, at least at first glance, it feels like the Last of Us 2 patch situation. So, but again, we haven't actually done any side-by-side -side comparisons, so it's difficult to say yet whatever it has been poured into it what the differences are but the fact that you can't really tell just at a glance suggests that perhaps it won't be that significant because i mean the game still looks great and i feel like you there's some of the more image quality related things you can clean up but beyond that the game already looked so excellent i'm not really sure you could improve it beyond just those types of features so is that going to be worth it? Is this going to be a full price thing? Do, actually, do we do we know that? Is this going to be like a $70, 80 euro 
release? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we just have no idea at the moment. I don't and know. This is the, the, the point I'm trying to raise, right? Which is that when you announce these things and you leave these questions hanging in the air, it becomes the focal point for the discussion. Literally all I'm seeing on Twitter at the moment isn't, wow, um, Uncharted is coming to PlayStation 5. It's all about the cross-generation strategy, the pricing, and um, people aren't really talking about the game, which I think is really disappointing because they're probably, I mean, this is Naughty Dog here. They don't tend to put out, um, you know, half-assed product, but we just have these questions hanging in the air, right? It's weird seeing Uncharted at 60 frames per second and the cutscenes look like a soap opera rather than a movie <laughs> at that speed. Well, well we, had, we had 60 FPS Uncharted with the collection, if you remember. That is true, yes. Uh, we have, we've seen it before. We've seen the soap opera edition before, but it still strikes me as uh, kind of strange. I like the gameplay at 60, but I feel like the cutscenes... Uh, they lose something. I don't know. I, Alex, I think, is disagreeing right now in real time. I don't want to disagree necessarily, <laughs> but I want to say there is actually, there's technically an animation reason why this could be the case. So if animations are actually designed around 30, uh, the first time around, the way they interpolate, actually, uh, if it's just like, for example, interpolating to the half position of where it would be between 30 frames, it can actually look wrong for the actual animation because it shouldn't actually be there. Right. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. The animation should not end at that spot. So if they just, once again, I'm going to use this word, I'm going to keep using it lately, naively <laughs> interpolate this up to 60 FPS, then you actually, the, the animations could be less true to life uh, at 60 than they would have been at 30. Uh, but I think the soap opera effect doesn't actually exist. Uh, but that's just my opinion. <laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs> I personally do not want to have gameplay and cinematics at different frame rates. It just looks really jarring no. to me. And, I mean, that uh, depends on how they present it to the rich. Like, if the in, in Uncharted, yeah, they kind of seamlessly flow together, so it would be very jarring. Mm -hmm. um, but mm -hmm. if they were, you know, independent cutscenes, because this is very cinematically laid out, you know, the cinematography is straight up action movie, right? So I do think there's something to be said about having it at a closer to film frame rate uh and that's why i kind of feel like when i see these at 60 it's just like oh this is the days of our lives uh, edition of uncharted so uh but i definitely agree with you that if it went if it went from 30 and jumped up to 60 from cutscene to gameplay this would be much worse much much worse Hmm, okay, I think we're going to leave that as an open question because uh, I fundamentally disagree, but let's move on. <laughs> oh, um, let's talk about um, Insomniac next, or rather Insom, as oh, they yeah. were referred to in the uh, bizarre after-show interviews. Um, uh, Spider-Man 2 was announced, uh, return of uh, Peter Parker and, of course, Miles Morales. Uh, we had the debut of Venom, which I'm really yeah. excited about. And um, also, um, kind of out of nowhere... The announcement of a new Marvel property being handled by Insomniac, which would be Wolverine, which would be, if you think about the uh, the character, completely different approach to uh, the game, I'd say. I'd say it's going to be a completely different game to Spider-Man. But let's talk about Spider-Man 2 first. Um, John, very limited footage here. Did seem to be running on PlayStation 5, however. What do you reckon? Yeah, so I guess the first thing I reckon is the fact that I'm rather <laughs> impressed with what Insomniac is achieving at this point. Their output is kind of insane. Mm -hmm. I mean, they've shipped two games within the last year across two generations, and now they're here again showing, at least early, but still showing and announcing two more games. Uh that's, I don't know, I mean, maybe it's just me, but that seems pretty darn impressive. I hope they have a good crunch policy. I hope so, too, because uh, yeah. it's, the quality of their work is typically very high. And so, you know, but yeah, Spider-Man 2, I feel like, was a given. The success of the original was significant for them. It's up there for me with the Arkham games, some of them, as like the best uh, of the superhero <laughs> style games by far. Uh, it's it's extremely well done. So yeah, I am very excited for it. It's hard to say much about the visuals at this point, other than that, you know, what they showed looks good, and I think we can trust that the final game will as well. I didn't notice one thing. What's that? <laughs> because my brain is the way it is. Uh, that there there was no reflection 
<laughs> of the smoke in the ray traced reflections. Oh yeah, did... <laughs> the, uh, the initial cutscene. I mean, that's something that they don't they they haven't done in the past. They haven't either. done they that yet that. with the particles. Yeah, they haven't done that yet. So, so so maybe maybe that's for Spider Man Three. We'll see. So Alex, did you just confirm ray tracing in Spider Man Two? Yes, I could do that. <laughs> <laughs> they're not going to the walk that. Not, they wouldn't walk that they're back. They're not going to walk that back. Yeah, <laughs> no way. No reason for that. But at least, <laughs> at least that aspect of it is lines up with their previous usage of ray tracing. So it looks to be the same system. Absolutely, and I think um, the timing for this project basically rules out any kind of cross-gen uh, scenario here, which I find I particularly exciting because you know we saw with Ratchet and Clank that Insomniac do want to leverage the features of the next-gen uh, consoles. So being able to do that in Spider-Man 2, very curious to see what they've got cooking there. But looking at Wolverine, um, basically we just had an announce, really. Um, <laughs> Pre-rendered cinematic by the look of it. And not really too much we can tell there, other than the fact that, well, they're doing a Wolverine game. I'm sure it's going to be a great game, for sure. They do great work, obviously. But this just, it's another point where I'm just, I, I'm, I'm growing weary of superheroes in all media <laughs> there's there's yeah. just too many movies being made there's too many games marvel especially being Ugh. made uh it's overwhelming to this point where it feels like somehow marvel is swallowing up studios you know like mm. output that we've once loved i mean this is especially true and i don't know how much we'll talk about it of you look at something like guardians of the galaxy i mean this is the studio that did those two excellent deus ex games in the last decade or so and now they're they're stuck in Marvel land and the game doesn't, you know. So, I mean, while it's true that Insomniac has probably made the best Marvel games by far, uh, it's just a shame that now it seems like the entire studio is just all Marvel all the time. I can kind of agree with that point. But first of all, it's been quite a while since we had a proper Wolverine game, right? The character Wolverine, because uh, bringing it back to this cinematic trailer, the trailer does kind of hint at a few things that um, makes it stand apart from the Spider-Man game because it seems to be kind of taking part in the wilderness kind of outside of a city he's in this kind mm -hmm. of um, run down I suppose Canadian dive bar skirts bar <laughs> and uh, when you think about Wolverine as a character as well you would kind of think of uh, more wildlife more like hunt more um, primal instinct kind of things. So I do think that this will be a very different game overall from what Spider-Man is, and maybe a little bit more uh, visceral, perhaps, than Spider-Man's more like... Uh, True. Uh, I mean, com uh, combat is very like uh, comic book-like, as it should be in Spider-Man. Mm -hmm. And I have the feeling that this probably will look more at things like Logan, that movie, and make more of a personal, more visceral story, perhaps. Even though the trailer doesn't say that much, I still get the sense that the focus will be very directed at Wolverine himself, and it's going to be mm -hmm. a very different experience than what Spider-Man is. Okay, well, let's move on to the next game. Uh, another first-party juggernaut from Sony, Santa Monica Studio. We finally got to see God of War Ragnarok. Cross-gen game. I'd say that it looked like a cross-gen game. I don't know whether we're selling it short by saying that. Um, what do you reckon, John? Um, yeah, I mean, what, after seeing the game in motion, the announcement of it being cross-gen does actually make more sense, and it's pretty clear that this started development as a PlayStation 4 game, and that's fine. I mean, the original game does look great. This still looks great. Um, but I guess there was some hope that it was going to be pushing things to the next level, uh, but it does feel like a continuation, if you will. I, I made the comment earlier, uh and again different times i know this but you look at the up the the jump from uncharted 1 to uncharted 2 on the playstation 3 and that was a significantly larger leap than what we're seeing between god of war and god of war ragnarok here you know what i mean mm -hmm. right. i'd agree with that john mm -hmm. like uh fully completely like you go through the trailer and you look at a lot of the character models detail the way they're doing hair and fur rendering, um, you know, just like the general animation set, um, materials. Uh, all of this technology actually looks like a lot of stuff that we already saw in uh, the original God of War. Uh, and in terms of like scope, I mean, the, it looks also very similar. Like it literally just looks <clears throat> like a 
like a direct sequel to the i mean that's what it is it's pitched as a direct no, sequel that's okay. to the last god of war because that's fine the cliffhanger ending to the original uh it needs this to be a direct sequel so it's interesting that it's a cliffhanger ending to the to that last one but this one also takes place years later so like they you know what i mean but either way uh it's, it's not you know they, they want to somehow advance the story in this direct continuation of story that they have um probably eventually leading up to a new God of War uh, MC, I'd imagine, at some point. Uh, kind of, <laughs> I would imagine they'd want to build up to that. Um, but yeah, I mean, the trailer, other than the fact that I think it looked uh, very much so rooted in the PlayStation 4 generation, I thought it looked really good. Yeah. Uh, just after the fact, I feel like we were almost a little too harsh on Horizon, Horizon Forbidden West when we originally saw that because mm-hmm. I think Horizon Forbidden West looks a lot greater a gen apart than uh, God of War Ragnarok does. It does, yeah. Uh, so so uh, sorry about that <laughs> uh, after the fact, but uh, whatever, you know, it's God of War. It, it it's interesting that seeing these cross-gen games from, from both console manufacturers, honestly, it's made me appreciate some of the earlier stuff we'd seen already, like you look at like Demon Souls at launch or like Ratchet and Clank, and those really feel uh, significantly beyond what you might have seen on PS4. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it feels like now the new games we're seeing in general f- feel less impressive than some of those games, which is unusual <laughs> to say that. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty different. Yeah. Uh, at least based on previous experience. I mean, it all just com- they were all kind of in development at the same time, and it's just, you know, whatever. So there's kind of, you know, a sort of sense of resigned disappointment perhaps that it is basically a game from the playstation 4 generation but what i will say is that this presentation was basically a game of two halves where the first half they concentrated on the third party stuff Mm -hmm. and the games there were like to to a man every single one of them was super cross-gen territory and i can't help but feel somewhat disappointed by what I saw there. And then when you see God of War Ragnarok compared to those titles, even with everything we've said, it's still light years beyond, I think, the the majority of the stuff that we saw there. So, you know, and I think the other thing to bear in mind is that um, the actual experience of God of War, it is an action game, terrific action game, but it's also actually really well written, (laughs) something you can't really bring across in a trailer particularly well so there's different levels of how a game is compelling and i actually think the story of, of the first god of war or rather the first norse god of war was actually really really good and i'm really excited to see what they've got coming here but um i guess again it's a question of context we don't really know what they're doing on playstation 5 that we're not going to see on playstation 4 but mm-hmm. yeah very interesting uh, great to see kratos back of course or kratos sorry and um my favorite cereal (laughs) kratos whole grain kratos (laughs) eat your cereal boy when is he gonna show up in rainbow six that was uh, alex's idea that that was my yeah that was my (laughs) so the first proper game we got to see in this presentation was uh basically well we didn't actually see the game it was an announcement for the remake (laughs) of uh, Knights of the Old Republic. Now, basically, what we're seeing here is essentially a CG render just to sort of set the mood for the game that is to come. And um, I never played this one to begin with, but it is highly regarded. Alex, did you play this one back in the day? Yeah, yeah, I like this game quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's, But its design sensibilities are completely antithesis to the current ones yeah. that are, are predominant in AAA gaming. And plus, you know, it's a Star Wars franchise. Will they really bring out a slow, methodical, turn-based uh, RPG? I hope so. These days with, with wanky, with like totally wanky animations when you smash things. Wait, you know, Alex, they're what, not gonna do- what's a wanky animation? <laughs> It's like, you know, like, you know, like, I don't know. It's like, it's it's like, like it's the animations were not what made the first game. It was the story. And I think the general aesthetic, the aesthetic, you know, is pretty old Star Wars and very well done. Well, the the point you were making, right, of like being uh, very different uh, sensibilities back then, because KOTOR very much uh, the scale that was going for uh, seems larger due to limitations it's within right back then so everything that you can do within those limitations makes it feel bigger and the scope feels so gigantic 
because you have certain set limitations in that era. Whereas now, when you bring a game out like this again now with, you know, uh, open world games are plentiful. We have them all the time. Uh, and to a certain extent, they're too free, right? We just lose track of what we're supposed to do, where we're supposed to go, what's our objective. This is something that KOTOR was really good at, was that there was so many different avenues you could go into, but the focus was sh sharp. You always kind of knew... Uh, mm. your main objective and your side objectives and i worry and but i'm also hopeful of course because um it's such a big game in my life i hope that they figure out that balance because that balance was essential to the original and if they just make a gigantic open world star wars because they can that doesn't necessarily make it a good kotor game yeah, that's a really good point. Ooh, well, yeah. in the after-show interviews, they were talking about what they're actually going to do with the game, which is to say that it seems like the focus is the story, right? The story of the original game is the basis on which they're rebuilding, which they're remaking the experience. And it sounds to me like all bets are off in terms of what we're actually going to get, right? It seems that they want to retell this story. They want to do it with modern sensibilities, but as to how well it's going to uh, correlate with the game of the past, I'd say that basically all preconceptions need to be taken off the table. It seems like they want yeah. to do their own thing. Another thing that I wonder about, though, is aesthetically, uh, in terms of the design of the world, I wonder where they're going to go with that, because KOTOR uh, was originally a comic book, which goes way back into the Star Wars era, and it uses very organic designs, everything is very plant-based and this kind of stuff. Whereas the video game, of course, based itself much more on the original trilogy. So I wonder now mm -hmm. when remaking, are they going to go like super authentic and go like fully organic and make it different in that sense? Uh, are they going to make use of uh, the Legends banner and go crazy with that? Like, I really am curious how it's going to fit within Star Wars itself design-wise. I actually imagine they're going to go uh, just based upon what we've seen so far. Uh, like it did look very much so like the new trilogy in terms of aesthetics and things like we've seen from that. I, I imagine they're going to keep up with the continuity of what people expect of Star Wars today, uh, because the EU is already gone. What's Legends now? Yeah, well, yeah, whatever you want. Yeah, sorry. It did say a legend comes back. Maybe that's like a hint. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> We're grasping at straws here because the trailer showed us nothing. Yeah, I mean, once again, we'll talk about trailers at the end of this probably. Uh, Rich will have something to say about that. But, you know, we, we're just left guessing. And I don't imagine that the initial game, since it is so disconnected from the current sensibilities regarding Star Wars and regarding what video games should be and need to be, that I think we shouldn't have really based our expectations based upon that original game anymore. My last point is just going to be that uh, if their focus on that after talk, if they said it's all about the story, I will say that, yeah, the story, uh, the plot points were interesting. And of course, the big twist uh, back then, you know, surprising enough. But I don't know if that's enough to make me excited for a remake if that's the central focus because it's not that it was that revolutionary. Okay, fair enough. Um, well, let's move on to another game that caught our eye uh, very early on in the presentation, uh, Project Eve from Shift Up. Um, Audi. Uh, Shift Up is, of course, a Korean developer, and I, I uh, at least I kind of feel like I've heard Project Eve the name before, so I think this was announced uh, I think John and I saw something of this at E3 two years ago. Development was announced in 2019. But very little was shown back then. At, at least I cannot mm -hmm. remember. Well, I remember the name. And there was a lot of interesting takeaways here. Uh, we didn't know what it was. And uh, just for clarity's sake, uh, John and I watched the stream together yesterday. We watched it with our friends from My Life in Gaming. Mm -hmm. And uh, throughout the beginning of the trailer, we were all kind of throwing out names like, well, this is clearly a Koei Tecmo game. Oh, wait, no, it's probably <laughs> Platinum. Yeah. Actually, is it Itagaki coming back? No, it's clearly yeah, exactly. Atamata. So we were just going through the motion of like, well, what game does this look most similar to? Uh, and then that probably is it, which is probably a commentary on individuality that or lack of. Uh, but it's for another day. Uh, but there's mm -hmm. some interesting things here. And uh, the first thing I'll, I'll quote Corey Carlson from My Life and Gaming on this. But, uh, I mean, that but is unreal. <laughs> 
<laughs> is it an Unreal Engine game? If you look closely at it, it is. Uh, if you look at the shading, texturing, rendering, it's clearly <laughs> Unreal Engine. Yeah, this was confirmed at the end of the trailer. So, and uh, the lighting effects. This is something I actually brought up on uh, a director recently, and I don't remember which episode, mm -hmm. but maybe one of you do. We talked about Korean developers, and I brought up the point that they're probably the best in the business currently in terms of design and uh, artistic visions. And um, this game does certainly show elements of that. If you look at the lighting, I think a lot of the hues and a lot of the designs here are very strong, uh, even the enemy designs. Um, particularly very interesting and different. It's not just, you know, Silent Hill in a different way. <laughs> mm -hmm. It uses a lot of like weird kind of uh, sea life and whatnot, like tentacly kind of looking things. And another thing that I found somewhat interesting, because um, I'm sure Alex wants to talk a little bit about some implementations here, but uh, one thing about, uh, so the character designs and the character renderings, character models. So let's say that uh, they're kind of from a bygone era in some ways, uh, in many ways maybe. But uh, what's kind of interesting to me is that they use uh, what I, I guess affectionately is called by people uh, doll-like. Uh, if you think of classic, like that are yes. live designs, right? They were kind of action figure -y kind of, uh, you know, dolls, basically. And when you look at this game and look at these character models, uh, of course, the rendering, uh, the textures, the sh uh, shading is very modern, but the actual character designs are closer to what I kind of imagined Plastic Dead or Alive to be in next gen compared to what Dead or Alive turned into. So it's kind of interesting to see this mix of, I shouldn't say classic character designs, but character models from a bygone era put into a It is weird. Game. It feels a little out of place, I think. Well, the game feels a bit out of place in some ways. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, if you look at the actual, like, color use and, like, I, I think what makes Korean design different, I mean, they're masters at, like, fantastic UI and things like this, but also their color contrast is very different from other East Asian um, countries and developers. And I worked on two Korean games the last 10 years, and I've always kind of noticed that the way they play with blues, purples, uh, green, is very different from the way that uh, Japanese and Taiwanese developers do. And this uh, trailer shows off some of that. It's not just kind of uh, realistic shading and uh, light effects. It's a lot of like colored light effects. It's an interesting thing because so this is the second like big looking Korean developed console game that we've seen in the last month or two, Doke right? Dokev, right? Because yeah, Dokev yeah. was also a big Korean thing. So I, it feels like they're suddenly starting to make moves into the console space in a way that we haven't seen before, and it's kind of interesting. Uh -huh. This kind of has to do with new uh, regulations on mobile games, but we can talk about that another time. Yeah. Good. Good. <laughs> so, so things that caught me my eye in the trailer. I did think, uh, like color space wise, in terms of enemy designs, I thought they, uh, it looked actually pretty great. Um, technologically, uh, some things uh, like it. It did give me just like a bit of that Unreal Engine four vibe. Uh, and I know you were, you made that joke earlier, Audi. But like some things to me look very stock Unreal Engine. Uh, like in terms of like in terms of yeah, just like the shutter yeah. speed of the camera or the way the bloom is done, definitely the way the bloom is done. That always looks very unreal to me. Um, numbers, uh, we did pixel count the trailer at multiple points, or I did, I should say, and I did get 1440p. Uh, it's targeting 60 FPS. A lot of the trailer wasn't at 60 though. No, it had a lot of performance issues during the battle sequences. Yeah, that's like that's totally fine. That does kind of line up a bit with uh, what we would expect of a 60 FPS Unreal Engine 4 title on PlayStation 5. You know, we've seen like 1620p or so uh, with um, Final Fantasy 7. Uh, so, you know, that's around that mark. It's it's not too surprising if it does actually end up going for that. Uh, I, the one thing, I know you were talking about the, the character from a bygone era. Uh, I do think the character model was actually, like, very distracting in not a good way because, like, the, with the camera angles chosen, it just felt like this game seems like a, a game that came out in, like, 002 in terms of its, you know, like, character design. It's, like, a bit old and, and not flattering, I don't think, for a modern audience. In comparison to something like Forspoken, which has, you know, uh, I mean, yes, it has a much more realistic looking character designs. Uh, it's not these hyper proportioned uh, something or another's, but it also seemed 
I don't know, a bit more grounded in a way that I found much more appealing than what we saw here. From a general standpoint, I do agree with you, but I do think uh, Project Eve, when it comes to facial construction, uh, it does have some merit though, because it is the characters look very different. Uh, it's just that once you go, you know, neck down, there's a lot of issues. On <laughs> yes, this that's that's the problem. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> Oh dear. Okay, well look, um, Alex, you were talking about Forspoken. Again, it was a game that was shown quite early on in yes. the showcase. I don't really quite know what to make of it. Uh, but why don't you tell us what you think about it? Mm -hmm. I think it's a very good looking game. Um, this is a, a Luminous Studio game as well too, so it is not using Unreal Engine. I'm really fond of seeing studios uh, make their own engines and use them. Uh, and you know, Luminous has been, I think, awesome in general. I think it's been really great. Uh, some things to note that I noticed in the trailer is it did look 20, 2160p native based upon what I saw. If you do count the trailer though, you may find frames that are lower res looking, but that's just because of the motion blur, just so people know that out there. Because um, like motion blur tends to be done at like half or quarter res in a lot of games. So you always have to count different edges. But I really liked the, the general look of everything, but it was once again where I wasn't sure what the heck was going on. Uh, I, I got the general idea that it was fish out of water gameplay, but you know, you're like some sort of witch, I presume. That's what I think you do in this game. Uh, gameplay wise though, I have no idea what to make of it. I was just impressed graphically generally, although once again, it was 30 FPS in the trailer. I would hope games like this always have a 60 FPS mode. Mm -hmm. I think when people think of next-gen games, they want they want 60. We've we've seen it with every game before. Uh, now even games that have really good graphics. So lower res 60 FPS mode is something I hope that the final game does have. I thought it was interesting that uh, Amy Hennig is one of the lead writers on this, mm -hmm. along with Gary Witta. But then the director is Japanese, I guess. So I'm not sure if this is some sort of like weird collaboration between hmm. the east and west i don't know uh it does kind of have that vibe though it is confirmed then i mean the the name of the studio is luminous right but i mean it is con it does look like the luminous engine that was used in final fantasy 15 i has that actually been confirmed for sure oh well maybe not but to me i literally thought it just looked like luminous <laughs> it, uh, it really does like there's a lot of yeah. telltale signs about the way they do terrain rendering and particles and yeah uh, lighting and such that is reminiscent of that and by the way, I think for when Final Fantasy XV was released, it was extremely cutting edge with its uh, GI solution, which was quite uh, unique for that era, I think. But you could kind of tell why based on the performance uh, issues that it had. But yeah, so this, this does look interesting and cool. Let's talk about a game which I think excited all of us because it kind of looked fresh, new, original and different, which is Chia, a game inspired by New Caledonia. Uh, Alex, you want to take point on this one? Sure. I mean, well, Inspired by New Caledonia is very interesting because it's bringing out the, uh, I would say, ethnic uh, and geographical background of the creators. And I spent some time reading about, about this, um, went to their website, basically, which is actually very forthwith and very informative. It's the two uh, co-creators behind the game's idea and a lot of its design are from New Caledonia, a former French colony for people who don't know, kind of in the Pacific. Small, smaller island nation that doesn't have uh, usually a lot of press. Uh, so we're seeing uh, both imagery and uh, language, and the, 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 the trailer uh, showed uh, this off very well as too, that of something that we don't tend to see in games uh, too often, especially ones that are not shown at big AAA conferences. So that was just all very refreshing. And that bears out in the designs as well, where this I mean, it doesn't look like any of the other games <laughs> that we saw here. It did. It didn't. I mean, the only thing is, I thought it looked kind of Unity-like. Maybe it is using Unity. I do have a you know a good eye sometimes for saying like, oh, this looks like Unity or this looks like Unreal. So this could be a Unity engine game. Um, I just thought it also just generally looked uh, refreshing and interesting. I don't know about the concept of a, an open world game though. I don't know exactly uh, if I want to play another open world game. I do like the designs that I saw here, but I'm not sure if I want to play another open world game, even if it even if it is an adventure. So that's an interesting game, point, you know? and that gets to this to the issue with what an open world game is and the reason why it's a problem. Yeah, so right? I don't know. The reason I'm, I'm tired, when I say I'm tired of open world games, I'm specifically tired of games where you have a large map with a bunch of like. Uh, hot spots and you essentially go to a point on the map 
you uh, are given some sort of objective and then you go to another point on the map you complete the objective and then you know you're just you're basically just going to points uh and at each point you either have event or cutscene and that is the formula that is used by so many games to this point what actually happens at those points is what makes them interesting or not but it's that dead space in between is typically not that interesting some of the the imagery they're showing here some of the stuff with like taking over animals or yeah. you know what i mean and some of the traversal stuff like traversal is so important to make an open world interesting at all if you have boring traversal then moving across the world is boring plain and simple and that ruins the game right. to to a degree yeah uh and that's why stuff like spider-man was actually pretty good even though it had a lot of repetitive side quests was just the act of moving across the world felt good it's also why death Stranding also is this really good. yeah exactly but there's a lot of these shots with this huge sense of scale it's also something that doke v seemed to showcase where you're like at these large open areas of, a, of an island and you feel like you basically dive into it you can traverse it quickly in a way that feels possibly interesting like what you're saying here is like because we often comment on like uh Assassin's Creed and whatnot, which has that issue, right? Where it's just hot spots. Oh, yeah. And it's just dead in between. But when you look at this, because this was actually my favorite presentation of the entire stream, and for many reasons. But one of the things that I love in video games is like expression. Uh, I love exploration when it's, you know, focused and like really well designed. And I love color, and this had all of it. But if you look at the geometry, and if you look at, uh, you mentioned being thrown into this large scale world, but it's not just the scale of the world itself. But if you look at the actual flora and just the milieu of this game, everything seems to be like 0.5 scaled larger than it actually should be because you're kind of seeing it from the perspective of a child. So everything just yeah. looks kind of vast and big, like when we were kids, you know, go up and play in the uh, forest, and that forest felt vast, whereas, you know, as an adult today, you go in there, it's a tiny little thing with trees, and you climb a cliff, but today it's just a rock because we're bigger. So it's kind of fun to see the scale <laughs> from just the perspective of the children in the game has been made, like, larger in that sense. It's not just the size of the island. It's also the size of the object, the animals. Everything looks a tiny bit bigger. Not huge, but a tiny bit bigger, just so that there's, like, this wonderment to every single object. And I guess we now have to make the Twitter account of Candy Pet Crab, because the trailer did confirm that Candy oh, Pet yeah. Crab. True. <laughs> so, Alex, I just want to cut in here to say that... Um, this is actually running on Unreal Engine 4. And, uh, it was, yep, initially revealed at the 2020 Game Awards, mm -hmm. and it was an awarded an Unreal Developer Grant because oh. Epic was so impressed with what yeah. they saw. Oh, Alex. Oh, my goodness. Ah, I'm losing the touch. Hey, I can um, tell that Project E was Unreal, and you can't tell that this was Unreal? What's going on? Uh, I guess it's. I guess they're they're doing enough there. Where th I looked at the motion blur, and that's what made me think it wasn't unreal. Actually, I was just like, this doesn't look like you're right. You're right. That's funny. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, that's that's what it was. Uh, but uh, that's great. Uh, it's good to see that they're giving out those unreal grants to games that uh, really are different and out of, you know, just not from the same geographies and same. Like I'm okay. So we talked about Forspoken mm -hmm. earlier. I actually don't care if it's about a New York teen. I'm really sorry. I, I'm tired of New York in games, but I want to see New Caledonia. Yeah, yeah. I've, I don't sure. know anything about New Caledonia. Well, wait, Forspoken doesn't take place in New York. No, That's the kids the were point. from New York. No, no. I'm just saying, like the the geography of the the MC in the game of the main character was something that I didn't feel as uh, as uniquely like a voice that I had maybe heard already or seen before. Uh, but this voice is one that we don't see too often in games, and it's also. Pointing out the fact that it's from a child's perspective is really good, Audi, because Doke V also had technically a bit of that too, where it's like you're playing as a child. And um, but I just really thought back to like classic Ocarina of Time, where like the world scale changes when you move from adult link to child link, and you you see the world through a different lens at that point in time. And I think that's uh, it's going to be cool. Maybe I'll be more interested in this. I just hope that the open world gameplay uh, is not. Um, like the negative open world gameplay we're used to in games, but something something that we we could be you know approach better. Yeah, basically not Assassin's Creed. Yeah. Okay, so look beyond all of that stuff, there was a bunch of titles which we're not really 
um, hugely compelled to talk about. I guess we did get to see the Alan Wake remaster trailer, but we talk about that extensively in the next direct. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the bottom line is, though, um, as I said earlier, for me, this was kind of like a game of two halves. I think there um, there were titles that kind of work if you just put out a trailer because, you know, the quality of the visuals or the quality of the composition of the trailer kind of speaks for itself and you get excited about it. Um, but basically the first half of the of the presentation here, zero representation from PlayStation Studios until later on when it was basically exclusively PlayStation Studios. And basically we just saw trailer after trailer after trailer after trailer. And mm-hmm. I've got to say, I just didn't really connect with most of the titles being shown. So when Chia turned up, it was actually, whoa, now this is interesting, you know? <laughs> and it was kind of frustrating in a way. And and I just don't feel that producing trailers, which essentially consist of curated gameplay segments, it's not working for me in, in selling these games. And I just don't really feel compelled to check out these games any more than what we're seeing here. I guess we're seeing a taster, but, you know, trailers work for movies because movies are about characters. They're about, you know, um, story. They're about composition. And you can actually curate certain segments to intrigue you about a movie, to raise questions, uh, to, to, to make you excited about what, you, what you're going to see. I guess the most recent one would be Matrix Resurrection, where oh, yeah. it's just been a huge amount of questions raised by it but it doesn't work for games and the reason why is because i think um games are essentially an interactive art form right you're not passive you're involved and you've got to basically express that and we're not seeing that here and we've kind of reached the point now where it takes something really different to actually grab your attention you've been doing stuff with the metal gear solid 2 trailer from from e3 in 2000 all these years ago uh and i think that's still a perfect demonstration of what a game trailer should be because it is still cinematic it still showcases the visuals but every scenario in that is very carefully crafted to show the potential of the gameplay right yes it is. in interesting ways so yes they use cinematic angles but it shows it's like you see stuff like oh you can see a shadow now around the corner Oh, you can do that? You know, it's it's basically like answering a bunch of questions about what the player will be able to do in the game while still keeping it cinematic uh, in an interesting way. And it ended up mm-hmm. being, I mean, it's accurate to how the game actually works. Uh, but I still think that that's a type of trailer we just don't see enough of anymore. I think the other thing, of course, is that when we saw the first uh, gameplay reveal for PlayStation 5, it was an expression of the vision for PlayStation 5, right? And it was at the time. You're going to be seeing things that you've never seen before. And, but at the same time, you know, there was still indie representation in there, right? With bug snacks. And whatnot. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it, it was basically, you know, this is our vision for PlayStation 5. Whereas I didn't really get any kind of um, a sense of any sort of unifying vision here. If there was a vision, it was basically, hey, Cross-gen is going to last a lot longer than you thought it was going to before. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, that's basically everything we've got to say about the PlayStation Showcase. So if you enjoyed this content, please do like, subscribe, share, ring the bell for instant, yes, instant, notionally instant notifications. Supposedly. And uh, DF, supposedly. (laughs) And yeah, DF supporter program. Join us for behind-the-scenes content. Um, early access to the DF Direct Weekly, bunch of bonus materials, and you can help DF Retro be everything that we always wanted it to be. But that's all from us for now. Thanks for watching.